Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, we're breaking down the Timberwolves defense and specifically the teams that have beaten the Wolves and, and at least those that have put up a ton of points, what they're doing to exploit the Wolves defense, what that blueprint is, what the common denominators are between the teams that are giving the Wolves the most trouble on the defensive end of the floor. We're going to break the whole thing down here on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. And use the code, all lowercase, NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy Wolves game day. The Timberwolves are back in action tonight, taking on the Dallas Mavericks back at Target Center. We'll talk about that a little bit towards the end of the show. We'll cover the, uh, I guess, the continuing gauntlet the Timberwolves are in and, and the difficult upcoming schedule as we turn the calendar to 2024. That's how we'll close the show. I want to spend most of the show, though, talking about the common denominators and really the blueprint that opposing offenses are using to try and exploit what is what is still, so far this season, cumulatively the best defense in the league to this point. But what are those soft spots that opposing teams are learning how to defeat? And what are what what is the Wolves' de- kryptonite? What is the Wolves' defense's kryptonite to this point in the season, roughly a third of the way through the schedule? We'll get to all that here today. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, and you can follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves, and also at B-Beacon, with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, uh, let's talk about some soft spots in the Timberwolves defense and what some of these teams here most recently are doing to exploit those soft spots. Of course, the freshest example is the Oklahoma City Thunder, who on uh, Tuesday night this week uh, scored, what, 126 or something against the Wolves. And, you know, we talked about this in the postgame podcast Shea just alexander is the exact player that can be a kryptonite to the Wolves' defense. I actually don't hate the Thunder matchup for the Wolves in general. Um, and, you know, but that's not what this show today is about. I talked about that on Tuesday's show. Obviously, I was wrong in this case. But the Wolves beat the Thunder in the play-in last year. They beat them earlier this year, in, in, albeit a close game. But SGA, when he's on his game, and the Thunder role players are knocking down open threes, he's exactly the type of player that can exploit what the Wolves do. Um, Shea just alexander shot 14 of 16 on two-point attempts during the game on uh, on Tuesday night. And I'm going to throw up his shot chart here and show you where he attempted all those shots. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, and this is, um, let's see if I get the right one here. I haven't done this this way before. So that looks weird. Let me see if I can do it a different way. Um, let's see. That's actually not any better. But anyway, this will work well enough. Um, so Shea Gildos Alexander attempted 16 two-point shots Roughly half of them were right next to the basket, like basically right underneath the basket. The rest of them were right around the free throw line. Um, that is a common theme. If you look back at some of the other games that the Wolves have played here recently, some of the other teams that have defeated the Wolves. Uh, let's actually talk about the Kings game. Now, the Kings beat the Wolves about a month ago in that in that in-season tournament game. The Wolves got the Kings number uh, last weekend. They beat them by 12, held them to just 98 points. But 
um, we also saw uh, Darren Fox do his thing against the Wolves in that game. He ended up with 27 points on 23 shots, and he was actually relatively efficient in two-point range, even though he struggled a bit from outside the arc. So I'm going to put up his shot chart. That's the wrong one. Here we go. I'm going to put up his shot chart from Wolves-Kings. Same deal. Uh, a little bit less at the basket. He didn't get all the way to the basket as much. He's not as good at getting to the free throw line as Shea Gilgis Alexander is. But you'll see every single shot he took virtually that wasn't a three. And he actually attempted 11 threes in this game. So this is only his, his really his two-point shots. But look at all those shots that he took from about the, uh, what is that? The the um, six-foot mark, I think. Or maybe it's the, it's the eight-foot mark at the top of the restricted area. Up to the free throw line between six and 15 feet. Right in the middle of the paint. And he was four of eight on those shots, which isn't super efficient. And even though Darren Fox had a pretty good game, again, 27 points, it took him 23 shots to do it. He had uh, only four free throw attempts, and he was three three of 11 on threes. The Wolves won that game, holding Sacramento to 98 points. Okay, so keep that in mind. The Wolves lost to the Thunder. SGA went off on Tuesday. Last weekend, the Wolves beat the Kings, held them to 98. It took De'Aaron Fox 23 shots to get his 27 points. I'll put up Philly now. This is a bit of a different animal because we're talking Joel Embiid, and obviously he's a big, not a guard. The Wolves let him get whatever he wanted from roughly 15 feet out to call it 19 to 20 feet, and he made hay in this game. He shot, uh, I believe he was 10 of 14 from we'll call it 14 feet to 19 feet. He was 10 of 14. And then look at all those shots at the rim too. But so much of these were just the Wolves, um, you know, Rudy not getting out all the way to contest in part due to foul trouble in part because Rudy would rather not come all the way out of the paint. Um, and, and the Wolves defense is designed to allow some of these mid-range jumpers and Embiid obviously did really, really well shooting those mid-range jumpers. Um, now, I want to, going back to Kings and Thunder, the biggest difference here between these two games is that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is not a very good three-point shooter, and the Wolves only forced him to take three threes in that game. Uh, Going back to Shea's shot chart here, he attempted three threes. You can actually see him there at the top of the arc if you're watching on YouTube. He missed all three of his three-point attempts in that game, and he came in shooting right around 30%. He he came out of that game shooting like just a little over 29% from outside the arc. So the Wolves were totally fine with him shooting three-point shots in this game, but he was 14 of 16 on two-point shots. Darren Fox is nearly a 40% three-point shooter, so the Wolves certainly didn't want to make him shoot threes, but it's okay if Darren Fox is taking some of the threes he was taking in this game. Um, and if I put up that, you know, again, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll put up the a bit of a cruder shot chart there. I'm partially covering my face, but you can see it. There we go. Um, look at all those threes he took. Those were largely contested threes. A few of them were a couple feet outside the arc. You're okay with him attempting those shots because it's better than him getting to the line, which he only did four times and shooting in the paint. So, um, but that type of player, uh, and then also the other piece of it is the Kings role players that knocked down shots at nearly the clip that the Thunder role players did. Um, you know, Lou Dort making, what, three or four threes or something like that. Like the, the Thunder box score was crazy with how the role players shot the ball against the Wolves um, last time out. So the difference here is that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is um, is really crushing it from that mid-range spot, whereas De'Aaron Fox was shooting more threes. The Wolves did a better job at forcing him outside of his comfort zone. But those are exactly the type of players, and I want to get to the actual teams themselves, those are exactly the type of players that give the Wolves challenges defensively. Because, again, the Wolves' defense is designed to allow teams to shoot from that 14 to 19-foot range, which is generally an inefficient area of the floor. And unless you have a superstar that crushes it from there, 
Um, which, by the way, the Wolves usually start these games. Rudy Gobert is still playing drop, right? Like, Chris Finch doesn't want to switch and pick and roll. He'd love to play at the level all the time, but it's not realistic to do that for 48 minutes, especially not with Rudy Gobert on the floor. So the Wolves start these game and drop these games and drop pick and roll coverage. But if these guards and SGA is a great example, find a rhythm, then the Wolves have to change their lineups. They might have to change their coverages or both. And that becomes a little bit trickier. I want to talk about the actual opponent profile, the shot. But, you know, I talked about the Wolves defensive shot profile the other day on uh, on Tuesday's show that the Wolves have the league's best or second best defensive shot profile in terms of the mix of shots they're allowing opponents to get and how opponents are shooting the ball from various areas on the floor. Let's talk about the actual teams that have beaten the Wolves and what their offensive shot profiles are. And that lines up with, you know, the, the quick examples I just gave of Darren Fox and the Kings, SGA and the Thunder, and then also Joel Embiid and the Sixers and where these teams are, are really making hay. Um, so I want to go about it from the team route. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. I'm going to go with Torian Prince once again, old friend Torian Prince. We'll see him Saturday night when the Wolves take on the Lake Show at Target Center. Uh, not spectacular, admittedly so, but the Lakers absolutely need his shooting, so he's going to get some run. He himself is on a nice run here of late as the Lakers are trying to kind of stabilize, play with their lineup a little bit, D'Lo in and out of the starting lineup. Uh, you know, Austin Reeves, his role kind of in flux a bit. Uh, but Torian Prince is a nice pickup, according to Josh. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the exact same with your vehicle. My first vehicle was a 95 Mercury tracer and if eBay Motors had been around and maybe if I'd been a little bit smarter at the time when it came to vehicles I certainly would have used eBay Motors and I would have gotten a much better run out of a car that I absolutely loved uh it probably would have I had a couple friends that you know customized some things in their vehicles which you know we all had um, beat up vehicles, but tried to make them cooler. And eBay Motors would have been the perfect thing to do that. Right now, if you've got a car that you want to keep running, maybe your kid is a car that you're trying to get running, eBay Motors is the absolute best place to get the parts that you need. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Motors, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, um, let's talk about some team offensive shot profiles in terms of teams that the Wolves have had to take on here lately and teams that have had success against the Wolves. Um, Now, so far this season, the Wolves have lost seven games. And I'm going to see if I can rattle these off real quick. They lost to Toronto in game one. They lost to Atlanta in game three. So they started this season one and two. Of course, both those teams are, um, we'll call them inferior to the Wolves, clearly. They had the blowout second night of a back-to-back loss to Phoenix. They lost to Sacramento in the in-season tournament game on that Friday at Target Center. The only home loss to date. 
The loss at the Pelicans after a couple of off days. That was that Zion game where he went nuts. Uh, they lost at Philadelphia on the front end of a back-to-back. And then they lost at Oklahoma City this last Tuesday. So they've lost seven games so far this season. Of those seven games, of those seven losses, six of them came against teams that are in the top 12 in field goal percentage from four and 14, from between 4 and 14 feet. So the free throw line is 15 feet, right? So we're talking elbows, free throw line. Inside of that, but not at the rim, 4 to 14 feet. Now, not necessarily in the paint, but field goals between 4 and 14 feet. Six of their seven losses have come against teams, not in the top half, but the top 12 in field goal percentage from that area of the floor. Okay, the outlier is, um, let's see if I can grab the outlier real quick. Uh, the outlier, I believe, is Atlanta. Um, oh, sorry, no, the that's weird. The outlier is Phoenix, actually, in terms of... Uh, Nope, that's long mid-range. I sorted it wrong. The outlier is, uh, where'd my outlier, where'd it go? Oh, it's Toronto. Toronto's the outlier. They're 27th in percentage in what what cleaning the glass terms. I should say I'm using cleaning the glass. They term it as short mid-range. So between 4 and 14 feet. Um, Oklahoma City's third in percentage there. Sacramento's fourth in percentage there. New Orleans is fifth. Uh, Philadelphia, ninth. And Phoenix is 12th. The Wolves, by the way, are 13th in terms of field goal percentage between 4 and 14 feet, right? So these are teams that are accurate from that range. Now, accuracy is not the most important thing. Well, I guess it is overall. The the other thing that's really important to look at, though, is frequency. How often are teams shooting from between 4 and 14 feet overall? This isn't just against the Wolves. Four of their seven losses came against teams that are in the top 10 in field goal attempt frequency between 4 and 14. Six of the seven are in the top half of the league, top 15 league-wide. So this tells us a couple of things. One, I think it, it does tell us this pretty on-the-nose story of like, hey, teams that are good from this range of the floor, the Wolves will allow teams. Now, ideally, like the Wolves aren't, I said earlier, the Wolves are trying to allow teams to shoot in that, you know, nine, uh, 14 to 19 feet, right? They don't want them to shoot between 4 and 14 feet, but this is part of what's been a little bit messy with the Wolves' defense is occasionally these teams get a little bit better penetration and depending on how tight the game is being officiated, which is a big part of it, especially against uh, the Pelicans, the game against uh, what was the what was the most recent loss where it was, oh, the Sixers. Like those games that are being officiated that much tighter, um, right or wrong, that becomes more challenging. The Wolves allow teams to get a little bit closer to the basket, a little bit deeper penetration into the paint within that you know, 19 feet, you get into the 14, 15, or excuse me, within 14 feet, and you get into that four to 14 foot range. And these teams that are already really good at shooting from that range are comfortable and able to get there because Rudy has to drop a little bit more or because the Wolves are are trying to, you know, change their coverage play zone and they're not, you know, as crisp in those instances or they're playing more Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns in drop because Rudy's off the floor. Now, ideally, the Wolves try to play at the level more with Cat than they actually drop, but um, inevitably, these teams, depending on how these games are being officiated and how good these players are, get closer and closer to the basket and do really well in in terms of that range. The other thing here is that means that there's two or three of those teams that don't usually play that close or that don't usually shoot from that area of the floor, but they're taking what the Wolves give them and then their percentage, as I talked about, in almost every case, every case except for Toronto of the teams that have beaten the Wolves, their percentage is high, even if the frequency isn't as high. But because they are good in that range of the floor, they take what the Wolves give them and they make their shots. 
Um, so we look at the top half here. What are the teams that are outside the top uh, the top twelve? Um, like Atlanta is nineteenth. Now it's been a minute since we played it since the Wolves have played Atlanta, but they're nineteenth in terms of shot attempt frequency between four and fourteen feet. Um, other teams the Wolves have lost to uh, you know Philly's fifteenth, so they don't shoot a ton of them. But remember, they're fifteenth in terms of attempts. They were top three in terms of percentage from that space on the floor. Now Embiid did a lot of his damage from the long mid range, not the short mid range. But that's also a Tyrese Maxey thing, right? Um, I actually probably should have pulled the Tyrese Maxey shot chart, not the Embiid one. Um, that's actually that would have been smarter. Uh, but Tyrese Maxey, similar story, right? Like he shot a bunch of threes against the Wolves, uh, but he also got to the paint. Like I'm looking at a shot chart now. I didn't have it pulled up as a graphic for the uh, for YouTube, but. He was two of five from the restricted area out to the free throw line. So didn't actually attempt that many shots in that range. Um, But again, that's what these teams are doing to put the Wolves on their heels. And then, as I said on on Tuesday's show, and I mentioned it again on the postgame pod on Wednesday after the Wolves Thunder game, uh, these teams like these superstars like SGA and Maxi and De'Aaron Fox, they are superstars that are comfortable scoring and efficient scoring in the mid range. But they also have another element to their game. Right. So for Maxi, it's he's a really good three point shooter. For SGA, it's he's an incredible passer. And all these guys are good passers, right? Uh, for Fox, it's really his speed and his ability to get into the paint and get to the line, get shots off from anywhere. Uh, but he's also generally a good three point shooter, even if he wasn't against the Wolves last time out. So these guys all have another thing they can lean on if the Wolves do a better job defending in the mid range or they're not getting the foul calls that they'd expect, like say Embiid was getting or Zion was getting. By the way, Zion, as a side note, all of his shots were within the restricted area. Every single one that he shot from the field. He got to the line a ton against the Wolves. Um, but he's a bit of a... Zion's his own beast, right? Like, especially if he gets whistles, you can't slow down Zion. And that game was almost fluky all the way around anyway. Um, I, I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. Zion's incredible. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But when Zion's playing that well and he's getting a whistle and the Wolves aren't hitting on their side of the floor, like, you're not going to win anyway. But all that to say. It's these teams with dynamic, primarily guards, that can hit from the mid-range and have another aspect to the game, whether it's three-point shooting or really strong playmaking. And if the Wolves get into any sort of foul trouble or if they get spooked at all by the way the game is being officiated, they're going to be less effective in terms of slowing down teams in the mid-range. And that's kind of a, a common thread that we're seeing from these these uh, these players that are roasting the Wolves. Um let's see. Uh so Maxi had what? He had 35 when the Wolves played them. Zion had 36 in that game. Um, you know, Phoenix, I throw Phoenix out because that was the second night of a back-to-back. That was a weird one. But I've talked about this before. I hate the Suns matchup for Minnesota because Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And, you know, last year it was, it was Chris Paul. Last couple of years, Chris Paul. Like, those guys are so deadly from the mid-range. And again, the Wolves defense allows that. So it was never a good matchup for Minnesota. That would worry me in the playoffs as well. If the Wolves end up, you know, two seed and the Suns are the seven seed or whatever. Uh, like, that would worry me. Suns are not a good matchup. I do think the Thunder, and I said this the other day, I don't hate that matchup because the Wolves have such an overwhelming size advantage. I think they can, because the Wolves, in theory, can also play small, like Carl Anthony Towns clearly was not 100% on Tuesday. Eventually, Cat, you know, the Wolves could go small more comfortably when Cat's healthy, put McDaniels at the four, put Kyle Anderson at the four, really, put McDaniels at the three. Um, there's different ways the Wolves could could kind of massage their lineup to match up with the Thunder. and And given the game, you're dependent on the game, they could also beat them with sheer size and brute force as well. So I don't mind that Thunder matchup uh, because between McDaniels and S- and um, excuse me and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I think the Wolves can limit SGA like they did in the play-in last year. Uh, it's some of these other ones, like uh, New Orleans obviously always makes me nervous because you throw in Ingram and McCollum who are comfortable to shoot from the mid-range. Phoenix, I don't like that matchup. 
Uh, and then Sacramento, I, I just hate that matchup for Minnesota. Even though they did so well against them last weekend, I, I still worry about what that looks like. You know, say it is a seven game series. Um, I, I it's not my favorite matchup at all because of the pace stuff. That's another one. I, I I'm not getting into the pace really today, but that's another kind of common denominator for the most part for teams that have beaten the Wolves this year is that they play with pace. Like the only teams to beat the Wolves that aren't you know top uh, top tier in the league in terms of pace, Toronto's nineteenth. Um, that's actually the only team, uh, Phoenix, I guess, plays slower. So Toronto and Phoenix are the only two teams that play a slower pace than Minnesota that have beaten the Wolves this year. Everybody else is playing at a faster pace. OKC's eighth, right? I mean, Sacramento's 11th, and last year they played even faster. Um, so Atlanta's fifth in pace. So you look at some of these teams that play really fast, that's another advantage sometimes against the Wolves. In theory, Minnesota should be able to match that because they do have athletes and and you know shooters and guys that should be able to get out in in the open court and, and do damage, but that's not how Minnesota prefers to play. All right. Uh, let's talk about Wolves Mavs on Thursday night. Let's talk about upcoming schedule. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in. With basketball season now more than a third of the way over and football season still has a couple weeks left, you can still pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, if LeBron and Travis Kelsey are playing on the same night or same day, you can take a 10.5 point combo, three-pointers made in receptions, take more than or less than and watch your winnings roll in. You can also take advantage of the reboot policy so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use the code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, the Timberwolves have the Mavericks here on uh, on Thursday night. And Minnesota, of course, has played Dallas a couple of times this year. They beat them back on the 14th, which will be exactly two weeks prior. They beat them by 18 down in Dallas. And um, actually, that is the only time they've played the Mavs this year. For some reason, I had in my head they played them more than once. But this is actually only number two uh, against Dallas. Kyrie Irving did not play the last time the Wolves took on the Mavs. And he still hasn't played since then. I don't believe... I think he's still listed as out. I'm going to make sure that that's the case here uh, real quick before I get that info wrong. Dallas is playing, in general, a little bit better here lately. Um, let's see. Looking at their injury report, uh, Luca's, Luca was questionable to play on Wednesday night, uh, and Dallas is playing actually right now when I'm recording this. Kyrie Irving still does not have a timetable for his return, so we will see on Kyrie. Um, Luca, as I'm recording this, is playing for the Mavericks. And actually, no, that game just finished. And the Dallas Mavericks lost to Cleveland tonight by three points um, in Dallas. So they have to travel to Minnesota. So the Wolves do have a rest advantage here. Luka Doncic did play, and he was fantastic. He had 39-7-6. And, six. and uh, oh, yeah, I saw the uh, the over-the-shoulder highlight, the pass to Curry in the quarter, which was just insane. Um, the no-look over-the-shoulder 
pass. It's just crazy. So Luka did Luka things, but the Mavs still lost by three. So, the, you know, the Mavs are a good matchup for Minnesota with or without Kyrie Irving. There just isn't a whole lot besides Luka that you really have to worry about. The Wolves have the size advantage. Um, the Wolves have the advantage in almost every category. And the last time the Wolves played the Mavs, remember that was that 17-3 start or whatever it was for Dallas, and then the Wolves fell way behind uh, and then basically clowned them the rest of the game. So we'll see uh, how that matchup plays out this time around for Minnesota. Again, I I like the matchup, Wolves-Mavs. I just do. The last time these teams played, that was that really big Nas game off the bench. This was right after Ant uh, came back initially from the injury. injury excuse me. He had 9-11, and 11, but shot just 3 of 19 from the field. Cat had 21-17. and 17. Rudy had 8-12, and 12, plus 5 assists and 3 steals for Rudy Gobert. But the big story was Nas off the bench. He had 27-6-3. And uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was also really good in this game. 13 points was a plus 20 off the bench. And it was also a plus 20, despite shooting 3 of 19. So, um, again, the Wolves with the multiple defenders with length and athleticism should be able to stop, slow down, and hopefully stop Luka Doncic. Uh, so, that is... Um, That'll hopefully happen again here Thursday night. I mean, the keys to that one are basically make Luka beat you in the mid-range, show him different looks. The Wolves did that last time. They went from drop to occasionally hard hedging on the perimeter. They even switched a couple of times, just switching up coverages, having Ant play free safety in general if he's not on the ball, intercept those passes to the corner. We saw the Wolves do a bunch of that. Um, And just expect Luka to either get to his spot and shoot, or he's going to kick it to that opposite corner, have the low man be ready, uh, be prepared to to close out on the perimeter for Dallas's shooters. Um, X out if you need to on the perimeter. Whatever it is to be, whatever you need to do to be active, and try and force somebody besides Luca to beat you, or just make Luca into strictly a scorer, which I know is dangerous. But as long as nobody else is scoring, you can generally survive that. You could frustrate Luca Doncic like the Wolves did last time around, um, and be in a decent spot in general against them. Now, they are second in terms of three-point attempt rate. They're 14th, middle of the pack in terms of percentage. Still no Kyrie. That's a big deal for them. But, you know, don't let Tim Hardaway go off. Don't let Seth Curry don't go off. Um, you know, Don't let Dante Exum, who had been crazy good right before the Wolves took them on, be careful with him. Uh, none of those guys were factors last time the Wolves played the Mavs, but just do what you did last time. Switch up your pick-and-roll coverages. Try and confuse Luka as much as possible, and the Wolves should be in decent shape here uh, at home against the Dallas Mavericks on Thursday. Upcoming schedule, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, throw that here up on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. The Wolves take on the Mavs Thursday. They're still at home for the Lakers on Saturday. Minnesota gets the Lakers twice here within a couple of weeks, and uh, LeBron didn't play last time, of course. He should be on the court this time around. At the Knicks, Knicks that's a, a matinee on New Year's Day on Monday, a 2 p.m. Central tip at Madison Square Garden. Then the Pelicans again for the fourth and final time this season next Wednesday night back at Target Center and then back out on the road the first time we'll see the Houston Rockets on January 5th at Houston. So a really difficult next five games. This is a really tough stretch for Minnesota. We've been talking about it so far. They're five and three in this you know sort of gauntlet that they've been facing. Um, of course, losses to OKC. Um, losses to OKC and Philly. So I guess actually they've only lost twice. If you go all the way back to the Pelicans game, these are all playoff teams, and the Wolves are 5-3 and three against them with impressive wins against the Kings, the back-to-back win against the Lakers, the great win against the Heat, the dominant win over the Pacers, the dominant win over the Mavs. Um, so if the Wolves can move to 6-3 and three in this stretch, that would be awesome. I mean, again, the upcoming schedule certainly does not get any easier at all for the Wolves. All right, we will have the post-game podcast for you live on Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube after the game. We'll also have the post-game pod Friday morning for you here at Lockdown Wolves. If you can't watch the postcast live, you can catch the feed here 
at Lockdown Wolves. You can catch the audio after the fact. A reminder, if you can't watch the game live, uh, you can also listen on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Minnesota Timberwolves and catch every bucket with the hometown voice of Alan Horton. Again, the SXM app on SiriusXM. Just search Minnesota Timberwolves. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, it's free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.